WTTM 146. This episode of Paul Berry's A Window to the Magic is brought to you by MakerFair.com. M A K E R F A I R E.com. You're listening to the Window to the Magic.com podcast. Brought to you by WindowToTheMagic.com. Surround yourself with the magic. Hello, and welcome to A Window to the Magic. My name is Paul, and as always, I will be your guide through the wonderful world of Disney sound experiences. This show is a weekly trip into the world of the Disney theme parks and resorts, and this is the place where you get to use your ears to surround yourself with the magic. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to episode number 146 of A Window to the Magic. As we begin, I would like to thank Jenna from the Main Street Travel Company for continuing to sponsor our show. The next time you plan a vacation, call Jenna at 1-800-593-1262 and let her save you time and money, and be sure to tell her that Window to the Magic sent you. And speaking of supporting Window to the Magic, I would like to thank Anthony and Luis for their donations to Window to the Magic this week. We really do appreciate the support, and remember, it all goes back 100% into the show. So thanks, guys. On this week's show, a memory from last year and a speech from this one. Last weekend, in fact. First up, as many of you know, the annual get-together of Disney podcast creators and fans happened this last weekend. Unfortunately, Window to the Magic was not able to attend this year due to monetary restrictions, and we truly wish that we could have all been there. Well, in 2007, we were there, and it was a blast. One of the many highlights of my trip was getting to meet up with Lou from Beyond Main Street as he and his family took their first steps into Walt's original theme park. Disneyland's already done, guys. Oh, you, done. you missed it, I'm sorry. Oh, How's it going? Good. Good to see Welcome. You again. My wife, Sarah. Hi there. Paul I'm Paul Barry. Thank you. My daughter, Elise. Hi, Elise. Really? I'm glad to be here, too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, I was just going out to meet Mouseketeer Greg and, and crew. They're just about ready to come uh, come in. Just got here. They just got here. Really? They just yeah. happened at the same time. Sweet. Sweet. Where are you guys staying? Right across Desert the street, Inn. Desert Inn. Very nice. The DPN Hotel. The DPN Hotel, yeah. You're at the Hyatt again? I'm at the Hyatt, yeah. Yeah, we stay down there, so. Wow. Yeah, All right. I'll take my first steps in, so I'm excited. Well, you know. I've got about a half an hour, so I'm gonna watch your first steps. Okay. So let's go. Okay. Cool. And then we're gonna go eat. That's. That, <laughs> I haven't had. I haven't had lunch either. Actually, it's not very crowded at all. So we'll be able to get into uh, Cafe Orleans, you think? Probably. Yeah. I don't think that would be a problem. I didn't think so either. I mean, this is the only security gate on this side, and this is how many people are trying to get in. So. 
Hi there. How you doing? Camera. Lots of stuff. Tripod. You want to see it? Stand back. No. Thank you. Uh-huh. So you, have you ever set foot on this property before? First time I set foot in California. Wow. Having trouble breathing yet? I feel pretty good. Yeah, good. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel pretty yeah, I feel, I feel really good. Glad to, I was really glad to land, that's for sure. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, this is it, man. This is cool. I mean, yeah, wow. No, I mean, really, this is it. You're done. Yeah, yeah. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> Told you it was smaller. That's California Adventure. Well, we're shouldn't it be later, I guess. That's Disneyland. Shouldn't all the people be going in here? Yeah. Oh, oh, well, they just uh, opened that park. Oh, it just opened? Yeah, that's like the whole mean? crowd waiting to get into DCA Why right now. Why are they open so late? Um, don't know. They always open later than Disneyland. Oh, yeah. I thought they opened at 10, but... That's what I thought, too. Unless there's something magical happening over there that I didn't hear about. Oh man. Yeah, when you guys want to go in ahead of us and then like get us coming through the turnstiles and sure. Yeah, let the video guy do it. I've been videotaping all morning. I just got the fantasy land window to the magic DVD done. Oh did you? Yeah. Cool. So you got here last night? Yeah. Came in about eleven o'clock last night. Citizen. Oh, no. No annual pass. I'll go in too. So you just got here, huh? Yeah, just pulled up. I don't have time. They didn't have my room ready, so I couldn't change in the shorts or anything. It's all right. It's only going to be in the 70s today. You'll be fine. Nice though. Oh yeah. Well, geez, Saturday. It's going to be in the in the mid 80s, mid to high 80s. Can you say mouse ears and sunscreen? No, I can. I'm already going to be burned. Excited. <laughs> Got this new camera. It's like Chris's. Yeah. Nice one. That is nice. About the same size as mine. Somehow I envisioned that one to be bigger. He said said he spent like seventeen hundred bucks on it. I'm like. Better be big. They have a new one. Like cheap 
Yeah. Hi, Peggy. How you doing? Good. I'm at Disneyland. How could I be any other way? Don't you love those sunny screens? Nothing. I got, I got one too, and you can't see anything. I didn't bring mine. It's in the car. I got my still, still camera. Anybody else here yet? Nope. And I've been walking around, but I I heard um, Mr. Mark and and uh, Jeff were uh, were saying they were coming in early today. So uh, Jeff's up at Magic Mountain. Is he? Oh, interesting. Chris. Oh, really? And uh, Art. Oh, wow. They're up there today. I, I called them when I passed Magic Mountain. Yeah. What up, fool? Welcome to Disneyland. Thank you. It's official. <laughs> we were just saying out there how low everything seems. Yeah. Yeah, because all of this is built on the first floor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense. Thank you. That's that camera you shot the last episode with? Yep. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly like Chris's. Yeah? Same, same exact one. Nice. Yeah. It's a darn good camera. Yeah, I'm excited to have it. If I could just, Did you know. see that uh, Sony came out with a camera called the CX7 that records uh, that. directly to uh, uh, memory chip now in HD? Yeah, but how, how much is that going to? I think $14.99. That's not bad. And, and how, much, how, how big? Um, it's, uh, it's probably going to eat it up. Yeah, and they, I forget what they said. I think it's three hours on an eight gig chip. Yeah, you got to bring a lot of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Remember. Uh oh. What's that? <laughs> you remember how Walt said Disneyland would never be completed? Yeah, where they're still building it. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess we're even the first sight I saw of Magic Kingdom. Uh huh. Oh, that's true, yeah. 
I, get, I, I keep remembering all the words that I've heard from other people. Quaint. Uh, local slash home park. Yes. It's small, man. But you guys ain't got one of those. No, we sure don't. <laughs> we sure don't. over there. The Lincoln Theater. Steve Martin things yes. in here? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The... Oh, okay, there's a photo. You're gonna hold off on seeing the castle until your wife sees it too? Oh, well, I think we're gonna Yeah. Yeah? I think I will. Of course she saw it already. Maybe I should go check it out. Hey uh, I'll be right back. I'm gonna go see them. Nobody not gonna see any sky above it. It's so huge. It is in fact the biggest castle you've never seen. I think I might have to hold this camera up to get to Hold on. No. Comments. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> there you go. It's mauve and turquoise. <laughs> Definitely different, but you know what? I feel a lot. You got an omnibus behind us? No. Big bus coming. Tokyo. Yeah, uh, yes. Okay, that's one thing. Yeah, the one in Tokyo Disneyland, you're like, hello, hello. Is this your uh, hard drive? Yeah. Camera? Mm-hmm. How do you like that? It's good. Uh, is this the one you I would like just tell me of? So do you have to burn DVDs no. as a oh. backup? Is that how you do it? Yeah. Can you do them right from from the camera to your? Yeah, that's instead of tape, it uses a hard drive. And then you take this back to the room, plug it into the burner. 
and you just hit DVD burn and it dumps everything to DVD nice. and it records in surround so cool I wonder if I'm gonna get my daughter with Minnie real quick oh yeah What do you think, Brad? Who did those for you? Those are good. Yeah, that's uh, Vista Print. Huh. That's the postcards. There with Walt's apartment above it. Oh, oh boy, that's, that's lights on. That's smaller. See it barely. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that's where Tony done his podcast from. <laughs> yeah. Actually, oh. um, he does it from above the. Um, oh yeah, why not? <laughs> firehouse. Yeah, the yeah. other firehouse. <laughs> oh yeah. There's a band in the firehouse. We can have them be the. Uh, the, enter band. the entertainment. Yeah, I actually, um, you listen to Window to the Magic at all? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I play a band called the Side Street Strutters. Yeah. Uh, jazz band. They got fired from here. Right. Okay. Um, I'm in talks with them to hire them for entertainment for next year. You were thinking about getting somebody else here for this year, weren't you? Was yeah. Was that same? Uh, no. It was actually the Bayou Brass. Yeah, every, everything will be much closer, smaller. I haven't been in there.
All right, so you guys are gonna go and get uh, seats over at the Cafe Orleans? We're gonna try to go eat over there. Sarah wants to go over there and I'll take them over. Okay. You going? No? Uh, well, I gotta meet uh, right. Greg and crew. Well, that's where we're gonna be for a while. Okay. They, I think they wanted to go over to DCA. I don't know if that's still planned. I don't change plans. We're here all day. Well, yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if they want me to hang with them. So yeah. Uh, after lunch, after lunch, I've got like whatever she wants to do. Because yeah. I, I already feel like Saturday and Sunday. Oh yeah. So whatever she wants to do, how she wants to do it, I'm good with it. Yeah. So I might uh, give you a call or something. Yeah, yeah. Please do. Um, I haven't had lunch yet, so if there's a wait of 30 minutes or more for cafe, if I can uh, join you guys. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, if it's uh, how, many? If it, how many? Just one. Or if we get oh, in, okay. just eat. If not, if there's a wait, let you know, and then you'll come over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, don't wait on account of me. So, but but if there is a 30-minute wait, call me and let me know, and okay. I'll come over. Okay. Make sure I got your number. Yep. Four three nine. Yep. Yep. So small, huh? Small, but it's not like I don't. It's not like I don't still appreciate it. I mean. The, oh yeah. Well, see, what's missing from here is you know, like really all like the waterways and, and stuff. I, that side just seems so flat because it's just all buildings. And yeah. then this side, I really like. You know, at the uh, town square. Yeah, town square. Just all the huge trees behind the. Yeah. That's the jungle tree. cruise. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So. Well, enjoy, and okay, hopefully I'll see you. see you in about a half hour. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> Wait, you don't want me in the picture? <laughs> As you can see, the magic of Disneyland is not just going to the park to ride the rides, but sometimes just walking in the door with friends as they experience the magic firsthand is all that is needed. magic.com podcast. The ultimate Disney sound adventure experience. Is about to get a little dose of mayhem. While Patrick Hurd scales back his productions, Paul has asked other podcasters, friends, and listeners to help pick up the slack. Coming soon to the window to the magic.com podcast.
one of the co-hosts of the All About the Mouse Disney Podcast. Be there as Jonathan the Voice Dictor lends his own style to an episode of Window to the Magic. And witness it as it becomes a window to the mayhem. Coming soon only at windowtothemagic.com. Surround yourself with the mayhem. This last Saturday, May 3rd, 2008, for those of you who might be listening later, I had the opportunity to visit Maker Fair. Maker Fair is an expo which is put on by Make and Craft magazines and is a showcase for their love of creating and inventing. One of the speakers this year was none other than Walt Disney Imagineer Tony Baxter. Calvin, Magic Joe and I were, of course, sitting front and center for the event, and I now share it with you. Because the train has gone off the track. 
Now this Lilybell engine there, Walt Disney built that himself. He had a shop in the backyard, and much like a lot of what I've seen out in the rooms today, this guy would, you know, he could already wait for it to be Friday night and he'd go home and work on this train. And the only problem with it, everybody wanted to ride it. And they said, you know, Walt, you need to build it bigger so that we can get more people on it. Well, he did. And this was the result, Disneyland. This is a round opening day. Now, everyone's seen it in black and white, but I have a few pictures here in color. So this, if you look at the clock, it's about uh, noon, and the park would open in two hours after this picture was taken. And what I wanted to explore with you as we look at these pictures from like over 55 years ago is what is it that worked about this thing? Was it all the assets that were there, all the cool stuff? Or was it the emotional connection with guests? You know, I'm gonna go back. You gotta see the fact that you could park right out in front of the entrance there. That's pretty cool. If any of you had to walk from downtown Disney all the way in now, you know what I mean? Wouldn't that be nice to put your car right there? This is the raising of the flag for the first time. That was Governor Goodwin Knight with uh, Walt. Now, was it the great parades that were there on opening day that made the world come to Disneyland? I don't think so. Was it our characters? Looks like little Dumbo there might have had a problem in the street, I'm not sure. And Pinocchio over here has got his head off. They didn't know what they were doing. It was a brand new thing. Nobody had ever seen anything like this before. There weren't any rules. It's frightening when you're creating something that's brand new. And that's kind of the joy and the fear of it. You always are living on the edge when you're an innovator. And, uh, and could it have been those fantastic rides that were there that kept the people coming back for years and years? Now, I think really what cemented the love of people at Disney was uh, the emotional bond, the storytelling and the richness that was there. And it's allowed us to continue this thing. Think how many other entertainment franchises are out there from 1955. Not very many. And we keep introducing more and more technology in it to keep it relevant to an ever-changing world. So I'm going to give you a very important formula for, I think, why this works for us. At Imagineering, we have two very distinct disciplines, imagination and engineering, combined together. What that means is half our building is controlled insanity, literally. If you've gone through our exhibit, I think you've got an idea of the amazing stuff we do in kind of a really fun environment. And then, the other side of it, to make it work in a real environment where people come all day long, we have to have a disciplined evaluation of all that. So I'm going to give you a couple examples of how we do that. Here is the controlled insanity drawn by John Hinch about 40 years ago that ultimately would become Space Mountain. Now, if you know anything about engineering, you could not put people up on rails like that with no supports, uh, nothing like that. With if No products exist today that would uh, operate with that kind of flimsy design, but it was an insane idea. Here was his first sketch of Space Mountain. Now think of the word, Space Mountain. That doesn't make any sense. Even the world, that word doesn't make any sense. And that's the beauty of it, because once you create a magic word like that, we own that word. And I was telling you a little bit about owning mental real estate. By creating a crazy word like that that doesn't make any sense, Disney now owns the value on that word. Now, on the other side, so that was the control, control and insanity of it. This is the disciplined evaluation. This was 1970s high-tech 
ride design back when we were doing Space Mountain. So the results of those two colliding forces is this, something that all of you, I'm sure, have enjoyed many, many times. Let's do it again, going back to the uh, idea of this controlled insanity. All right, here is a crazy idea. Let's take people up 13 stories <laughs> in the air and then drop them in an elevator. Controlled insanity, right? Well, here was the state of the art in the, uh, out there in the real world at that time. So Disney was able to, again, combine, combine that uh, you know, discipline of going out and researching these things together with the crazy idea of putting people into a, an environment, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, and this is the results that came out of that. An amazing experience, especially the one in Florida, if you have a chance to go down there and see this. Yeah. Okay. Now here's a world that already was, you know, insanely great before we got to do anything with it. Like all of you, we waited in line on that midnight, you know, years and years ago to see Star Wars for the first time. And it was insanely great. And it wasn't our product, and we thought, how on earth could we get involved in that? And years later, the opportunity would uh, arise that we could literally tap into this amazing world that George Lucas had created. But we needed to have something that would spawn his interest in it, and this is what it was. We went over to England, and again, with a disciplined evaluation of what was coming out of the military and the industry at that time, there were amazing devices that were uh, in simulation that were about to break loose uh, beyond the world of just training pilots. And we signed an exclusive deal and risked a lot to bring that into our fold, and we were able then to get George very interested in it. And of course, the next thing that was born was Star Tours. And with Star Tours, a whole industry, not a Disney industry, but you've probably been on simulators everywhere. In fact, they've sort of run themselves into the ground. Um, but that, our point in that, that kind of a process is at the front end. We've always moved on to the next thing while everyone else is busy trying to keep up. And that's the fun of working at Imagineering. We don't dwell on repeating. Walt had a, a phrase he used back in the 30s. He said, after making that little short cartoon, The Three Little Pigs, everybody said, you got to do another pig cartoon, Walt. And he said, you know, you don't follow pigs with pigs. And we've kind of held that in Imagineering. Once we have a hit like this, we move on. But this was really a revolution because it allowed people to enter a world in an interactive way, in a, in a way where we all saw these things in the theaters and on DVDs, but to actually get on board with characters that you know and love, that's kind of the magic that we do at Disneyland. Okay, this guy was an innovative maverick. I'm going to show you a couple of these people, but it's really important that you, either as an individual, if you are a maker, or you work for a company that hires makers, you have got to have a maverick at the, at the lead. It's someone who's going to question the status quo and examine data without a predetermined outcome. Remember those two things. You know, so many people try to drum it into you. It won't work. Here's all the reasons why. And as you're presenting your pitch, they already have determined they're not going to do it. If you have that, get out, because you're never going to get anything done. I think I have that, what I call, contrarian spirit. Whoops. Um, this was a World's Fair show that Walt Disney brought back to Disneyland, part of it. 
And he put these dinosaurs on the train ride around Disneyland. And I was just a little kid, like many of you out in the, in the audience there. And I said, I don't like dinosaurs on a train ride. I think they belong in a jungle. So as I went through schooling, I did a rendering for my uh, watercolor class of where I thought those uh, dinosaurs should belong. And it worked really well for me because I showed it when I got a job scooping ice cream at Disneyland. And one thing led to the next, and I was invited to do more. So I did an idea here before I had any art training uh, on Mary Poppins. It's not a great rendering, but what it showed to the people that I was applying with was I understood space and I understood the technology of the media of moving people through an experience. So these renderings, um, they told me to go back to school and get some training in art, but at the same time, they sparked their interest and moved me forward into getting in. My final year at school, I was supposed to design an opera because I had gone to architecture school, I didn't like it, I had gone on to landscape architecture, didn't like it, ended up in theater. And ironically, what Disneyland does is uses theater as a, we create theater, we do it in a landscape environment, and we use architecture as the media to, to achieve that. So this is the senior project I did. Instead of an opera, I talked the professor into letting me design a ride for Disneyland. And of course, Pirates was my favorite, so I patterned it after that, only it was a mythical voyage into kind of an enchanted world. And uh, as a result, I was hired, and I was put into dimensional design, which is a really cool word for being a model builder, but being a model builder is really, really fun. It's one of the best jobs we have. And so I was able to take all the training I had from theater and combine it now with my new job as a model builder. And this little model, which was about this big, I took it in and I said, well, what do you think about this? And long story short, uh, they said, do some more work on it. And uh, it became Big Thunder Mountain. What's unique about Big Thunder is we've built it now on uh, three continents of the world. So to my knowledge, it's the only mountain that exists in Europe, America and in Asia, which is kind of weird. Now, you know, when you go to Paris, this is 20 minutes from the city of Paris, and it's an excellent study in contrast. I think that's one of the most important things you can do is when you bring something that's unique, try to understand what's the uh, background it's going to be read against. And with the elegance and refinement of a city like Paris, there's no question why Big Thunder a Western, out-of-control homage to uh, the Monument Valley is the number one ride in that park. A lot of times what you do doesn't go anywhere. So we, in a corporate world, do the same, you know, what-ifs, what-ifs, and I'd say 80 or 90% of what we do doesn't get built. For me, I loved crystals, and I wanted to do a pavilion for Epcot that was based on crystals, and they wouldn't go for it. We even built a beautiful model of it, and uh, we had Dr. Carl Hodges from the University of Arizona working with us to figure out all the bio uh, necessities for it. And when the company decided we couldn't afford it, it was too outlandish, Carl said to me, I'm going to build that because I really love this idea. And he did, not with Disney. He went back to the University of Arizona, and perhaps a lot of you have known this to come about as uh, Biosphere 2 down in, uh, I think it's near, uh, Prescott or somewhere in that area, Arizona. So never give up on your ideas. I didn't either. I kept those crystals in my mind 
and I was given another assignment to try and visualize the world of imagination. So I pulled out my trump card, which was the crystals, and this time I won, and we went ahead and built it. And so to this day, you can go down to Epcot, and you'll see a building that looks very much like that. Another important thing is uh, we see a lot of technology here today, but if you're going to try and make it with that in the real world, try to get personality into that because humans love to relate to personality. And for me, these two characters, Dreamfinder and Figment, were a lesson that I've learned and kept with me my whole life. And that was what I mentioned to you earlier about trying to find mental real estate. That mental real estate for me was the word Figment. It seems easy to call that pink dragon Figment. But believe me, it was a pink dragon, what are we going to call it, for years, until I watched a Magnum P.I. episode. <laughs> and Magnum had hidden a goat in the yard, and, and Higgins, the butler, was all upset that the yard was all torn up and the plants were eaten. And Magnum says, oh, Higgins, it's just a figment of your imagination. And Higgins looks at him and says, figments don't eat grass. And I realized everyone in the United States knows that word, but nobody owns it. So I came in the next day, I said, I've got the word, we're gonna attach it to that purple dragon, and forevermore, the value on that word will be changed. To give you an example of that, um, I'm gonna do a little test here with this figment thing so you can get a feeling for it. Try Googling the word figment and what you're gonna find. Now that's a generic word, Disney doesn't own it, and yet every image that comes up on Google Images is a Disney image on the first page. So that shows you the power. It didn't cost one cent for that word, not one cent. Any of you could go out and do the same thing. But because it's emotionally strong with the audience, it makes the product that much more relevant. Okay, I don't have to tell you about this guy. Um, this guy lives in that edgy world that's frightening for most people. He abandoned comfort and the world of yesterday in terms of motion picture technology and embraced the problems that are the world of tomorrow. We were lucky enough to get to uh, be a part of that back when I was 12 years old uh, working on Star Tours. Now Henry Ford said if you go out and ask people what they want next, because you know everybody does research, <clears throat> if we were to go out and ask the guests what ride they want, well another pirate ride. And Henry said, uh, if you ask people what they want, they're going to say, a faster horse. People can only tell you what they already know. So those of you that make things, you've got to lead people to the next transformation. And that's, again, what we did with Star Tours. So where is the next guy that's going to do this? Well, I think this is a good example of someone who is out there frightening the world with his concepts. But if he is right and he can fly people into outer space, he's going to change history. So let's watch this man and let's all put our best wishes that he succeed in that because it's the, the whole thing we all love. And I'm going to be on maybe not the first uh, rocket, but maybe two or three if he makes it work. That would be very cool. And I did want to talk about story. You hear a lot of that. Disney uses the word a lot. I think it's gotten to be a cliche. And that's not a bad thing, but let's not talk about scripts and storyboards and all of that. I want to talk about how lighting can tell a story. Think about the words, a dark and stormy night or a bright and sunny day. It tells you a lot about the story. Music. Does anyone remember Jaws when the girl was swimming in the water and you heard John Williams score the da-da, 
That's the narrator of that piece of story. It was all done with music. Color, thrill, interactivity, these are all new terms because the real story, especially for us, is you, the audience, and your friends or your family interacting with one another and making a story. What happens out there in the ride is just to spawn that very important story that's happening with you. I'm going to give you some rules for a story. The difference between a good story and a great one, people find themselves in the great one. Just think of the, the books on Harry Potter. Every kid can't wait to get the next one because you just wish you were at Hogwarts. Everybody does. So that's what I mean about finding yourself in the story. Obviously, at Disneyland, we can do that easier because you are in the story. Great storytellers make the complex simple. People come up to me and say, how do you do that? How do you take all this stuff? There are a thousand people at Imaginary. Each one of them has a special talent. When they all come together, it's a thousand people that created that thing that you can't figure out how it was done. Not one person. And that's why it's magical, because you're seeing an end result of so much effort. <clears throat> Great storytellers make the mysterious comprehensible. When we talked about reactivating the submarine ride to take people in a part of the world that comprises two-thirds the surface of the Earth that nobody has access to, that's a chance to make the mysterious comprehensible. And great storytellers make ordinary things magical. We took water years ago and put it through a laminar flow and gave it a personality. Suddenly the same stuff that comes out of the tap was alive and made people smile. As a result, again, like uh, the simulators, these leapfrog laminar fountains are just about in every mall in America because they have such an effect on people. Great storytellers make the frightening safe. We once had a great imaginary there by the name of Eddie Sato. He made it a lot simpler than that for all of us by pointing three words. Fear minus death equals thrill. <laughs> I think everybody that goes on a thrill ride, especially when they come to Disney, know that we're going to get you as close to that word as possible and deliver a thrill without any risk. And that's what it's all about. And finally, great storytellers make the real larger than life. Isn't that what's fun about walking through these halls today? Physically, things larger than life, but amazing concepts taken out of obscurity and made um, uh, understandable for all of us and fun. Uh-oh, I don't know what I did. I think I killed it. Did I bump it and ruin it? Okay. All right, finally then, where do these ideas come from that we uh, work with? One thing I have to say is when you're looking into the future, if it's frightening, if you're scared, or people say, get the willies when you show them something, say, well, let's think about it a little longer, whatever. That's really good, because that means you're way ahead. If people look at what you've done and they say, this is great, I'm really comfortable with it. It's too late. A good example is digital film. The Kodak company owned the world of chemical photography. They waited a little too long to go digital because they were so proud of their heritage. And now digital is a, you know, it's open to anybody. You've got to move when it's frightening, not wait until it's a comfort zone. So, for me, 
we were sitting in a little one of these what we call brainstorming sessions, and I was sitting there thinking, what if you took an Omnimax screen, put three rows of guests hanging above the Omnimax screen like so, and flew people up into some kind of a show in there? And that was the room we were doing it in. Everybody put their ideas up on the wall, just like what you see here. And guess what? That was the start of a thing called Soarin' Over California. In the end, one of our engineers still had an erector set in his garage. And he was able to take that crazy idea and build it out of an erector set, just like a Kinex uh, exhibit here or something like that. And the next thing you know, we've got this major attraction now that's one of our most popular. Another good example is waiting for the right timing. We desperately wanted to bring that submarine ride back, and we had a film called Atlantis. And we did a poster about the big Leviathan catching you. The movie came out, and nobody went to see it. Then we opened another movie called Treasure Planet, and we thought, ah, we can have people go searching for buried treasure in the Atlantis treasure stores. And that movie came out, and nobody went to see it. And then a wonderful thing happened for us. Finding Nemo, Pixar's film, probably the most seen animated film of all time, and we knew we had the right formula to tell a story and bring something back that would work for all ages at Disneyland. For my generation that remembered the submarine and missed it, we get to ride our favorite ride again. For young kids who don't know about that but love this character, we had again an emotional bond with a mechanical thing. And it allows our guests to go into a world that again, like I mentioned earlier, is two-thirds of our planet that nobody really has access to. And Disney can take you in there in a world that we've really created in a very magical way. Now, finally, another <coughs> great cliche word, and I just don't know a better one, so I'm going to end with this one. And that is, wow. And I hate using it, but then George Lucas said something once, and it's another thing you should remember. He said, never be afraid of a cliche. They're cliches because they work. And so I am going to use it. And people expect when they come to see us that they're going to find the unexpected, if that makes sense. They don't pay good money to come and see what they expect. They come to see things that they don't know about. And that can be really elaborate things or very simple things. So it can be finding a dragon buried beneath the castle in Paris that comes alive and snorts fire and smoke at the guests as they walk through that area. You didn't expect that. But when people go home and they tick off what was their favorite thing, a dragon comes way to the top. Also in Paris, we could have done regular Space Mountain, but in a country where there's Jules Verne and H.G. Wells and Leonardo da Vinci, we put a really unique spin on it. And you're literally fired out of a cannon. I guess they told me. Yes, fired out of a cannon up to the top, which is about this much higher than the one at Disneyland. That allowed us to put three loops in there. We weren't satisfied. We went forward and put onboard sound, the first musical roller coaster ever. So fired out of a cannon, onboard sound, all of this themed to Jules Verne so it fit in the culture we were presenting it in. And this is so stunning that it really turned our attendance around in that park. So it was a, 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 sh a real shot in the arm for our Paris park. And as I mentioned, bringing Monument Valley or the Grand Canyon 20 minutes outside of uh, Paris, literally in the morning we have to uh, scat the swans off the lake there because they're used to willow-draped rivers that are just about 500 feet beyond this. Um, and keeping the land there dry is as hard as it is here in California, keeping it wet. Uh, but the effect on our guests is stunning. 
It can be very simple things, like just adding holiday lights to Main Street at Disneyland just warms the place up to the point where it is absolutely amazing to our guests and simple. And there isn't a more beautiful place emotionally than Disneyland Christmas at Main Street. And finally, I'll stop again with that last shot of taking a humble thing like water and bringing it to life. Nothing speaks more about the whole idea of making things and thinking about it, because it's not just making it and sitting there and analyzing, hey, that's cool. Give it personality, and it'll mean something for everyone. And I'll end here with, as you dream, just remember, these dreams that you create here, all these amazing things, are really the fuel that's going to drive the future. Thank you very much. I would like to thank Magic Joe for making this recording, as I had just brought along my video camera to capture the event. Video of this will be coming at a later date. You can find out more about Maker Faire by visiting their website at makerfair.com. That's M-A-K-E-R-F-A-I-R-E dot com. Hey, Paul uh, and all the uh, Window to the Magic uh, listeners and friends and fans and Mouseketeers and Terry and Patrick. And that's really all I'm going to talk, talk to today. Uh, there's just so many people that are involved with you, and I just want to say hello to everyone. My name is Tony Rigatoni. I am leaving you some uh, vocal feedback here about how much uh, I enjoy WTTM24. Now, it took me a while to kind of figure it out. But anyway, I understand the fact that, you know, you got a recorder and somebody else has got a recorder and you're in two places at once and all, everything. Uh, unfortunately, my mom uh, did not uh, understand it. Well, I got her uh, a set of those um, wireless he uh, headphones, you know. And uh, so what would happen is she would forget the headphones are on and walk around the house, you know. Uh, and uh, then she would pick up the phone and she would answer the voice that's on the WTTM24. Uh, she now has got a couple of refis on the house and she's going to take some trips. And um, we, need to, we need to fix this. Uh, so maybe in the future in WTTM24, you can every once in a while say... Uh, hello, Tony's mom. Please take off the headsets. You know, this is a recording, and then you know, don't say anything. Uh, you know, that's going to cost you money to the telemarketers and all this kind of stuff. She answered the door one time uh, to somebody, you know, going door to door and all this stuff, and they thought she was crazy. Now, listen, I know my mom's a little, you know, but she's not crazy. Well, no, 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 she is not. She's not crazy. Anyway, but I love you, WTTM24. Please, uh, please uh, continue it. It's it's a wonderful thing. You know, it's sad there's only 24 hours in a day. It, it, it really is. So anyway, uh, this is Tony Rigatoni, uh, a longtime fan, and uh, uh, keep up the great work. And uh, uh, maybe I will bump into you sometime when you're uh, in the park. Uh, you know, that would be a wonderful thing. Just, just let me know, and I'll see if my girlfriend will let me go. See you later. This is Tony Rigatoni saying bye. Goodbye.
I would like to thank you for listening to A Window to the Magic as we enjoy our third year of bringing you the best audio experiences from throughout the wonderful world of Disney. We appreciate your feedback, so be sure to email or call us soon. Email us at podcast at windowtothemagic.com. Call us at 206-984-9886. Join our discussion forums at wttmforums.com. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash WTTM. Look for us on MySpace, Facebook, and on DizFriends at www.dizfriends.com. Remember to check the Window to the Magic feeds twice each week, on Mondays for the original Window to the Magic podcast, and on every Friday for WTTM 24. And be sure to tune in next week when I once again take you to Walt Disney World for a WTTM 24-style experience with Terry and I. But for now, this has been A Window to the Magic, show number 146. And I'll see you next time. Surround yourself with the magic.